This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler. Drop it. Drop it. <laughs> Drop it. nuts. He's nuts. <laughs> welcome. All my Star Wars fans and Spoiler Room listeners, it is another episode. And here's a surprise, big surprise. Yes, tonight we are talking about Star Wars The Force Awakens. I've got a room full of Star Wars geeks here with me tonight. And we're going to go right down the line and let you know who's all in the Spoiler Room crew this evening. First off, Mr. Astro Radio Z himself, the one, the only, Derek Carey. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Hey, glad to have you. So, seems like we were just talking about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too long ago that we just had a two-part episode on Astro Radio Z about the entire Star Wars series. Yes, we did. Make sure you go over to our our sibling site, our, our sister brother, second cousin site, uh, Astro Radio Z site, to check that out. And right next to uh, Mr. Derek Carey is uh, the Spoiler Room crew regular, Mr. Paul Meredith. Hello, sir. How are you? Marvelous. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, glad you could make it tonight. And next to him, it is the one, the only BFD, Mr. Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. How are you doing this? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, now you're talking like a Peanuts character, right? Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> And next to him is uh, the bow tie man himself, the uh, man who has a lightsaber bow tie. It is Paul Salzar. Paul, how are you, sir? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Fantastic. Glad you could make it tonight. And, of course, what spoiler room would it be talking about Star Wars without Scotty D? Hello, Scotty. Yeah, it sounds about it. Yeah. Just, just sounds like when I try to make the Darth Vader voice too. Mm-hmm. So tonight, oh, I'm yeah, sorry, I'm on a respirator right now. Or so. the respirator. <laughs> an iron lung. Iron lung. Yeah. He's. We're gonna call him Mr. Frump tonight. Anyway, <laughs> and tonight you've been avoiding him all weekend. You've been hopefully to the theater. If not, shame on you. But tonight, right now, this show is called The Spoiler Room, and we are going to spoiler the hell out of Star Wars The Force Awakens, something that has become illegal on the Internet, it seems like. So <laughs> tonight we're going to talk about uh, Luke and Leia's uh, incestuous child, uh, because we found out <laughs> Leia actually had a child with Luke, and that no. is Ray. And then we Finn actually is the child, love child between Leia and Lando Calrissian, which is why Han left Leia to begin with. So there's the first spoiler right there. <laughs> Finn's the love child of Leia and Lando. Han left her because of that, and Luke and Leia got busy and had Ray. There Dude, you go. I. I especially like the Chewbacca sex scene. I thought that was a very tasteful scene. That was. Yeah. Who, who yeah, knew? You know, there there actually is a three-way scene involving Chewbacca in the Star Wars porn parody. Oh, of course there is. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> and Scotty D, of course, he would know such things. No, folks. Uh, <laughs> We are going to go in-depth in depth Why in do I have this film. encyclopedic knowledge? Uh, yeah. <laughs> As you can tell, we are excited and uh, jazzed for this because we've waited a long time. And if you want to know how we uh, feel about the prequels, well, 
that's going to be for another time. Tonight we're just <laughs> focusing on Star Wars The Force Awakens, a film that, uh, yeah, has broken box office smash hits. And, you know, when I sat there and I watched it, I will say when I came out of this film, I felt like it was a natural fit to the Star Wars franchise versus the prequels. Uh, Paul, what about you? When you got out and when those credits rolled, did you feel like you actually watched a a, a natural-feeling Star Wars film like this fit in the universe versus the prequels, which felt forced? It really did, (laughs) forced. Um, (laughs) uh, Yes, I I actually did feel that this movie did fit in very well. It it actually made me think of uh, the original Star Wars and watching, well, not the original, yeah, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 4, 5, and 6. I just, I really enjoyed this one quite a bit, and I think, and maybe a lot of my uh, friends have already argued about this with me, is that it was almost too much like the original formula, and I kept arguing with them that that was the point. They were trying not to screw it up like they did with episodes one through three. So uh, I actually did have to, uh, you know, kind of fight that with uh, some of my friends. So well, uh, you, it was a weird, weird argument. <laughs> well, no, you make up a you make up a good point. It's the first point I wanted to bring up tonight. Yes, folks, if you haven't read the synopsis, basically we have uh, a young. We have a couple of young folks in here who end up joining up with the Resistance, who go against the First Order, who want to take over the galaxy with their planet-killing machine. Mm. Uh, And this ragtag group of fighters go against all odds to try to take out this machine and save the universe. Uh, There's so much more going on, but yes, at the core, at its base, it is very similar to the first three Star Wars films. Kind of touches on plots of each, but... For me, that didn't take away from the film for me. What about you, Derek? Did that take away from you at all, the fact that there was that familiarity with this plot? No, because if you were to look at the series in general, um, it was a very secular, uh, cyclical, I can't even say that goddamn word. Sorry, I'm uh, probably not supposed to swear on your show. But no, that's it, fine. You it, can it, it, did seem, it did seem to recycle itself as it went through uh, the series with varying little elements. I mean, in... Uh, a New Hope, and in return, you had Death Stars. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, another one, all big deal. It didn't bother me uh, much. The main point that I went into it was, was it going to be fun? And was I not going to hear about Senate meetings and <laughs> trade disputes? As long as, as, long as those things weren't going to happen, I was going to have a good time. Uh, and what about you, Glenn? Uh, did that familiarity of that script, uh, did that uh, bother you at all? Because, I mean, Derek's right. It, it is kind of established in the Star Wars universe. History tends to repeat itself. It does. Uh, I, I though, will say I have reached my Death Star limit. <laughs> three, three is the max. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Absolute max. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I mean I, I think they had to do something to kind of try and recapture uh, the original a bit because uh, I think, in a way, a lot of fans felt they were owed that. Sure. But on the other side, I see... I, I saw a great meme where, where, you know, you have people whining because, it's just like the original, why are they changing things? And then for the picture of the new Ghostbusters going, 
why are they changing things? Why are they making it the same? The thing is, <laughs> we'll never be happy. So they want the exact same thing, but they don't want it to be the same. And I understand that that's what they had to do because they had to distance themselves from trade disputes. <laughs> but they did have to distance themselves. Volcanoes. They did have to distance themselves from the prequels. They they had to give the idea that this is a different beast than what you've gotten in the last 15 years. And uh, Cole, what about you with that familiarity of the script, uh, the plot? Did that bother you at all? I didn't know. I didn't think it was uh, too rehashed. I mean, honestly, the, origi- the original – well, by the original, I mean – I guess it's episode, episode four. four. Yes, it should be episode one. But for just when you hear me mention the original, I'm talking about Lucas's original because mm-hmm. I can't really acknowledge the other three. I, you know, they're they're there, but I I can't get into them because that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, no, the familiarity I thought was just fine. Fine, I thought it was done well. I, I you know, if I'd had my druthers, maybe you know the the lead villain wouldn't have looked so much like Vader. You know, they, they could have not had him be entirely fucking black. Pardon my French. I mean, really? I mean, they could have mixed it up a little bit. I, that design was a little too on the nose for me. Uh, that That's that's a small complaint, though, because well, the performance under the mask was really good. I, and, and, you know, Derek and Glenn mentioned it right away, which is that it's they're doing more with the story. I mean, right off the bat in the opening scrawl, Mm-hmm. It's a better film. I mean, you don't yeah. have the Trade Federation. I don't want the, the Trade Federation. I knew I was in trouble at, in episode quote-unquote one when I saw that. I just, uh, this is exciting stuff. I mean, yeah, it, it resembles uh, Lucas's original a little bit. Honestly, I like it more. The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi were always my strongest links to that series. I was never... I didn't see the original in the theater, so I don't have that connection. Um, That was before my time. I saw it later on uh, VHS and then even later during the re-release, and I gotta tell you, I I haven't seen the original cut without the additions in years, but uh, Lucas's original with those... uh, the, uh, the new digital editions and the stupid shootout with Greedo and Stefan on Jabba's tail... I think this is way better than that film. Far better. Uh, it's nowhere near in the class of Empire or Jedi to me. Um, but I, I think this is my the third best Star Wars film for sure. And and Scotty D, uh, I want to get your thought real quick on that plot because that seems to be a lot of people's biggest gripe is oh it's rehash of the. It, it's uh, not. It's not. Um, and I'll tell you what. And I and I've been thinking about this for a while. And I'm honestly still processing all my feelings about this movie. I know I'm going to have to see it again in the theater, yeah. like within the next few days, just to see it because honestly. Uh, Okay, is this the most awaited film of all time? No, Phantom Menace was. It really was. Ep- episode 1 was the most awaited film in history. It really was, no matter how it turned out. And we all kind of got burned on that one. Uh, this one right away, as right as Cole is so right, because right the crawl, as soon as the crawl started up, first of all, I started getting like, oh, shit. I started getting really excited. Then the yeah. crawl happens. And it starts out and starts talking about Luke Skywalker and Leia. And I'm like, holy shit, this is a real Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> the other things 
didn't feel like real Star Wars movies. This felt like a real, like, this is a real fucking Star Wars movie. It's a real story. story. I don't mind the familiarity because there is a certain symmetry uh, to the series. In fact, one of the problems with the prequels is it was too much symmetry. You know, we had two things where, you know, well, Luke gets his, gets his hand cut off and then, uh, you know, cuts off Vader's hand in Jedi. Wasn't that wild? And so in the prequels, okay, in every single prequel, someone has to lose a fucking hand. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, and everybody's related. You know, like <laughs> it's not that big of a universe. You know, and, and so this one wasn't like that so much. There was always a certain amount of symmetry. I don't think that they overdid it. I think that it was. Like, okay, we have another masked villain. We've had that before. Yeah. Just like the original, it turns out, there turns out to be a familial bond. Uh, there turns out to be all these things. But they did so many... Th- and, you know, even the, the, the framing story, which of the original was, you know, the droids yeah. uh, on Tatooine, which was a desert planet, and now you have BB-8 on a desert planet, oh, and man. he's got plans. Yeah, you know what? A lot of it was a very... I didn't feel like it was rehashing. I felt like it was kind of hearkening back to it and then said, and look at all these other things that we're doing that are new. Yeah. And I'm expecting that I'm ex- now, of course I have no way of knowing this for sure. This is just a hunch, but I'm expecting that eight and nine, then uh, along with all the, whatever the pre the, all the spinoffs we're going to get, this, this franchise is going to go on forever. We're going to be dead before it's over guys. Um, <laughs> is, is, uh, I think that they're going to be focusing more on like all the new things they're going to be doing, but they have to, but they kind of start out with this framework to say, this really is the star Wars you love. Mm-hmm. This is the Star Wars that you were looking for. And for, you know, there's going to be some people who are just going to be bitching and moaning no matter what, just like Glenn says. Some people just can't be fucking happy. And <laughs> this one, uh, I think that you're going to really get a lot more people that are really for it mm-hmm. than against it. And, you know, how do I rank it? I don't see, here's the, the important thing is that I don't know if it's possible for me to look at a Star Wars movie and love it as much as that original trilogy. Before all the crap, like Cole said, because the despecialized editions, if you can get them, guys, it's the only way to see them. Only can way to see you? Them. We should talk about that sometime separately, Scott, because I'd I, like to hear I'll, where I can find I'll, them. I'll, I'll hook you up, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fuck you, Lucas. Fuck you, Disney. I'll hook him. I'm hooking a brother up. <laughs> we talked about the despecialized version last night a bit uh, on how that but, is but, a really good version to watch. But, but yeah, like, it, like it, I don't think it's possible for me to love a, a, a series as much as that because that was my childhood. I grew up with it. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, an important part of my generation. I'm an old fart now. But you know what? There's another generation out there right now. And now they get to grow up with this. And they get to see this. My niece and ne- my nephew... Oh, yeah, he loves Star Wars, but he watched the Star- Clone Wars cartoon. And so he's all talking about fucking Anakin. I'm hoping he's going to watch this and say, fuck Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> and I just tur- totally turned this into an NC-17 podcast, by the way. Yes, you did. You. I, with all my language, so you can bleep me if you want to. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think that this is really what we were looking for. And I think that kind of uniformity and symmetry is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it, it it is, and and you're right. It is for a new generation. I tell you, I, I made the sappy po- post, but it was a true fact that uh, everybody was the same age the night I went to see it. I was the same age as my teenage boys sitting on the edge of their seats watching this film, uh, and and watching teenagers because teenagers are cynical watching them get into this film, their mouths dropping at certain points in this film, watching them scooch in their seats forward and leaning forward and watching and just entranced in it. So much, in fact, that even my little chuckles didn't bother my uh, honorable son, number one, which usually do during a movie. If I laugh, he looks at me like, Dad, you, you know, shh. and after the first half hour to the film he didn't even do that because he was so into the film and and that's the way I was too and I think it's because of the way J.J. Abrams handles these characters now the one that I want to start off with right away before we get to the the really uh, new characters is uh, well the one main character in in my review and I, I brought it up last night my first I did my review after my first viewing of the film and I said that the the villains got shortchanged. They got the Marvel Universe uh, treatment. And then after I saw it the second time, I realized, okay, Kylo Ren, no, they did actually explore more with him. I just missed it the first time because I was trying to take in so much. But the rest of the villains do get a bit shortchanged on this, uh, you know, like Captain Phasm and the First Order especially, Paul. Uh, what do you think of the handling of the villains in this, uh, outside of Kylo Ren? Say, the Captain Phasm, who we got our own character poster, and the big Nazi-like, Imperial-like First Order. Uh, again, if you go back to the trying to be parallel, uh, parallel, it was very much that same feel. Um, the characters in the fourth episode weren't that brought out. I mean, you got Tarkin, you had uh, Lord Vader, and those are the only two characters that I thought were memorable in that episode. And in this in this movie, you got uh, Kylo Ren, and you had the Supreme Leader. And those two characters were all that I really needed. So I didn't really care that the villains got the Marvel treatment mm-hmm. uh, because they did such a great job with the characters that I thought they wanted us to follow. So, And Glenn, with you, uh, we... We touched on it last night, but with the villains, Kylo Ren, like I said, after the second viewing, I'll, I'll agree with you guys, he does get more beef, but the First Order and that are just kind of like, yeah, they're there. <laughs> or did, did you feel like we got enough of them that we needed? I think they served their purpose. I mean, we mm-hmm. didn't need a lot of depth on them, I don't think. Because uh, one of the things I've seen online especially is... And it shows you the modern viewing audience. And yes, I'm getting out of get off my lawn moment. Uh, just <laughs> deal. Modern viewing off audience. There's there's like three different posts of 25 questions we still have about the series, and mm-hmm. you know 18 questions that need to be answered. And like I read through it, and like five of them, I'm like, they they answered that. Like one of them, like one of them was. Uh, what happened to Finn, and why was he part of the First Order? And I'm like, oh, I'm like, that, they, he actually, t- he he flat out says it to somebody in a whole backstory thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so you're going, did you did you pay attention? Did you did you pay attention at all to the dialogue? <laughs> or there was another one is why couldn't he kill? I'm like, 
No, no, he could kill. He chose not to because he made a choice. Yeah. It, 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 that's all you need. It, he made a choice. Okay, you know, and so the, a lot of people are talking about the First Order and, well, what what's the story with them and that? And, <laughs> you know, for me, I guess I, w- I was hoping for a little bit more, but with this film packed with so many new and well, old characters, I guess. How, how much uh, background did we get on the Empire in the first movie? Yeah, it's true. Right. Mm-hmm. It only I mean, really expanded with the other movies. Glenn's great. I mean, it only expanded with the other movies, and, you know, we barely know – who this? Uh, oh God, is his name Smog? No, let's <laughs> say uh, uh, Andy Serkis's. Okay, Snoke. Andy. Yeah, Andy Serkis's character there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'm sure we're gonna find out more about it. Sure. Know? I'm well, hoping anyway. Well, I guess with me, what what if they hadn't brought out? I guess for me, their motivation of wiping out the Senate when they mentioned that, and Derek, you could hit me over the head, but they mentioned that they want to take out the Senate and be the ruling class of of the galaxy. I think if it was just them terrorizing or showing that they're a power in the galaxy and not making it specifically, we're going to wipe out the Senate, I would have probably had a better thing. But by them making it a little more political, I guess that in, instantly triggered me wanting to know a little more about it, of why they're trying to take out the entire set. You know, I, I mean, am I off on this at all? I, I probably am, but I guess with that first order, I just their motivation seemed a little bit thin. <laughs> I had me. no problems with the first order whatsoever mm-hmm. because they served the same purpose that the Galactic Empire served mm-hmm. in the original trilogy, and and if you remember in A New Hope, there was that uh, sequence where they're all standing around. Uh, the board table, essentially, mm-hmm. quote unquote, and they're talking about the Galactic Senate at that point as well. Yeah. And you don't know the necessarily the motivations of the the Galactic Empire, other than being this kind of fascist um, organization that's just overseeing everything and oppressing everyone. Um, and honestly, that's all the First Order were to me. So. I didn't need super. I think. I, I think now we've become so critical um, based on the prequels of having things overexplained to us that uh, we we tend to now dive in a little too much in half mm-hmm. it, 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 when we really didn't need that in the real, original trilogy. All you knew was the Empire was bad and people didn't like them. Sure. The First Order is bad, and people don't like them. <laughs> Motivation enough yeah. for me, and I thought they served their purpose. You, you, you make a valid point. I'm not sure you know, why that, that sat with me like it did. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was just uh, curious to more <laughs> you know, because I found that fascinating. And I, I don't I think, think that's a bad thing, Mark. It's always yeah. good to be curious. But, but um, as we've discussed before is that um, when you do uh, start to delve into the minutia of these different organizations and their motivations and learning more about them, is that exciting? Does that help propel um, the plot at all? Right. No. That, that is stuff that I think you, you, you delve into in books and you delve into in periphery um, extended kind of um, – pieces of work that are based on this one thing and where the the difference between this movie and let's let's just 
let's let's pick on someone. Let's pick on uh, the the Phantom Menace. And sure. the difference between these two movies is that the Phantom Menace was more focused on on a world building thing where they were more focused on the periphery things that populated this world and not the central conceit where mm-hmm. this film was more concerned about its central plot than it was everything that populated it. It's, that's an excellent point there. And, and, that is uh, a really good point. I like that quite a bit, actually. Uh, you know, because like, right. that's honestly, I got to tell you, <laughs> it is one. It is like one of the only things that I really like on this first viewing. Because when you see it, you're just still on a, like a Star Wars high, and you're still trying to process everything. Yeah. Trust me, it was actually a few months before I could really come to terms with how much of a piece of shit Phantom Menace was. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It was like you know when I had to like actually sit down there and like list everything wrong with the movie. I'm like, oh, it really sucked, didn't it? Dude, oh. it was so bad. I can remember what I was spacing out about when I was watching it in the theater. Oh, I can remember <laughs> what my mind wandered to. It took me a while to for me because I was just so high on seeing stars. But in this one, the one thing where I did note right there, I'm like, well, like for instance, when they start bringing out like, and we have this super powered weapon, and we're about to kill the republic. I'm like, wait, what the? F- what? That just came out of nowhere. What the hell? I wanted to know. I mean, you, people talk about the villains being shortchanged. I don't think the villains got shortchanged. I think the Republic got shortchanged mm-hmm. because I was, you know, I wanted to know more about that. But, you know, Derek makes an excellent point, and I'm going to have to keep that in mind when I see it a second time. I'm not saying when I do that, I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know what, I totally 100% agree. But it's a good point he makes because I was looking at that, and I thought, okay, you know, I honestly – there was part of me that was wondering if even the film would seem to have moved quicker because it kind of did seem a bit like like they threw a lot in and it kind of felt I mean it felt like a three hour movie to me uh, instead of two hours and fifteen uh, and uh, I, I honestly thought like you know actually more stuff here to let us know like who these people are and why we should care about them might have actually made the thing move a little quicker. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that's going to be the point when I see it again, or if Derek is correct in saying that this is all like kind of like periphery stuff like that. I mean, is well, it, would it be a case of like how Peter Jackson threw in every freaking footnote into the Lord <laughs> of the Rings? <laughs> we, will, we, will talk, we will talk about those movies. We and, really shouldn't. <laughs> anyone's listening and wants to make a comment, uh, hop on Twitter and send it to at Spoiler Room PDCS. That's Spoiler Room Podcast. It's PDCS. Just put that at Spoiler Room PDCS in your comment, and uh, I've got that monitoring up there. We're trying something a little new here. So, uh, But sitting here now with the characters, okay, so you, you make the, the very valid point, and now that you mention it, Derek, yeah, we don't really leave Ray's side for most of the film. It's either Finn or Ray. We really follow. Uh, we follow the characters more so than cut to Senate scene. We're, yeah. We, whenever we cut to something, you make an, a valid point, uh, is that whenever you cut to another fresh scene, it's on a character. It's not on a setting, <laughs> basically. Uh, you, you know, we're following them. So, yeah, that is that is pointy. They get the central plot uh, more localized versus uh, giving the scope. They're like giving you glimpses of the galaxy, but like, no, no, we're we're keeping it right here to this story. Uh, now now we've got that was that was the main point of the first three movies, right? Right. The hero's journey. 
Right. And that's that's why they had to stick with the characters. Mm-hmm. That's no, why you feel. That's why the, uh, there's so many comparisons to A New Hope. Is that mm-hmm. the 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 reason why I've always. Um, I know I, I, other people were saying that it wasn't necessarily their 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 favorite of the. It, it was always the film that to me resonated the most because it it felt like a very intimate film, like it was one person's journey um, from point A to the end for the hero's journey essentially. And they did the same thing here, and that's why it feels so familiar, and that's why there's so many comparisons to it because they took this grand idea that you know you had the New Hope. And then they expanded it with the next two movies. And then they really expanded it and went off the rails with those prequels. And now they reined it in and brought it back uh, to its roots to a hero's journey again Sure. with this film. Yeah, and that's why I think it felt naturally. That's why I said it felt like a natural Star Wars sequel. <laughs> because it felt like the others. He, he captured that feeling. <coughs> Uh, now we do, as we mentioned, we mentioned the villains. Let's dive into some of these characters, namely the guy they featured in the trailers, Mr. Kylo Ren, who, uh, yes, this is the spoiler room. I'm putting it out there right now, folks. Uh, yeah, Kylo Ren, Han Solo Leia's kid who turned evil. Uh, Glenn, how did you feel about uh, the Kylo Ren character? Was- um, I liked the Kylo Ren character. Um mm-hmm. And I was going to comment on, on something, I think, uh, Hole said it before about him looking too much like Vader. I think that was the point. No, because absolutely. He's... I didn't mean that as a criticism. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I didn't mean it more as like, if I had directed the thing, I might have altered it a tad. I mean, yeah, that was okay. the point. But, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. That was such a bad – it's a bad complaint. I was just looking for something to bitch about. I'm sorry, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, uh, the other thing I liked about him is that he's uh, hes a very believable bad guy because he's not just simply evil through and through. And I mean, yeah, you get the whole Vader redemption thing at the end of Jedi, but I mean, up until that point, there's not, in those movies, you don't see any, any real conflict in him. But with, uh, with, um, Curly McHare here, um, Kylo, <laughs> um, you actually, you know, you see that there's conflict in him. And, uh, you know, he, except he's not, you know, really conflicted with trying to be good. He's conflicted because he, he wants to be bad, but the good part of him is holding him back. Um, and you really see that when he, you know, takes off his mask. Sure. And you actually see the person underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really uh, makes him uh, a better villain, I think, in some ways than what you see in a lot of films, because he's he is a person. He's not just that mask and that voice. There's a person underneath there. It surprised me they had him remove the mask, which was good because I didn't quite care for the voice thing they did with the mask. Uh, Kylo Red Paul, though, uh, you feel he, he kind of had those layers, and uh, you know, is it odd to see someone who actually wants to be bad and fighting to be good? <laughs> no, actually, uh, when when I went into this movie, I was really hoping for Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. to be Kylo. Uh, I think but, a lot of people were. That was a lot of big fan theories. Yeah, for and I was really hoping they would do that because that would do the parallel of the of the whole uh, you know fall and then redemption type of thing. Sure. Uh, and then when as soon as the crawl went up and they they explained that he was missing, I was like, oh man, they're not going to go with that 
storyline. And then as I was watching the the film, and then found out, oh, this is this is Leia and Han's son, and he fell to the dark side. And that really got that brought me back, and I was like, yes, this is this is the the second best story that I could hope for. Mm-hmm. And they did it. And that's and because of that, and and the 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 fact that they gave him so many great uh, character type moments, you know, he he didn't he, even even up to the point where he he actually commits the 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 act that you're like, oh my god, you know, and he's you, you can say really it, it's him. a spoiler room. He kills know, his dad. There you go. It's I'm still trying to <laughs> I'm know. still trying to to process that moment you know, I know. I, it's a great it, moment and it, and that was and that was great because they couldn't do that with with luke or they could have but it wouldn't have been as good maybe if he would have killed off leia you know as luke that would have been that would have been as impactful <coughs> but to have him uh kill his father like that it was just it was it was hugely intensely emotional for me mm-hmm. and i loved it i loved it like every bit of it and and this story has a lot a lot to do with families family relationships and how how you fall into the family structure and it just it just you know it put that punctuation mark you know the exclamation mark right on that right in the story and that's what i really loved about it Oh yeah, and family is the main theme. I mean, you got two orphans in here in the f- form of Ray and Finn, who were orphaned for different reasons. Uh, you know, you've got yeah Kylo Ren who wants to follow in Grandpa's footsteps, which you wouldn't <laughs> think anyone would say. <laughs> uh, Cole, would you say that Kylo Ren is the Anakin Skywalker we wish he was in the prequels? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that. That's a really Awesome observation, um, and yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. I would say he's even better than that for me. It it really worked for me. That whole character I thought was great. Um, the the way it was delivered, the way he acted it. What's the actor's name? Adam Driver. Is that yeah. right? I I'm going yeah, that's, note, yeah. I'm going note free tonight. I love the movie so much. I I'm going note free. Um, but he was really. That the way he spoke, the way he carried himself. Thank God they had him take his mask off. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, if he had spent the whole film, the whole film in that mask, it wouldn't have worked for me at all. Um, everything Paul said was right, right, right on. Um, I'm trying to think of some things I really agreed with, and, and Glenn as well mm-hmm. hit, hit some some good points. Uh, and oh, I I wanted to add, you know. It's also interesting because, really, when you think about it, who would want Han Solo as a father? I mean, <laughs> I'm serious. My my father, I just spent all weekend with him. He's listening right now, uh, probably. I love him. Uh, but he was Han Solo. He was a rock and roller. You know, he used to open for big bands like Steppenwolf and shit, um, literally. And, and he was gone a lot when I was a youngster. And he's like my best friend now, now. You know, but you go through that phase, you know, if your dad is a cool guy, it might not always resonate, you know, on the level you're looking for when you go through all that angst. And sometimes it really does turn to hate. And I can, I I thought they did all that well. Now, I have no idea what was going through Abram's head, you know, and and all the writers' heads when they conceived it. I might be looking too deep into it. But, you know, that's what you look for when you go to a movie. 
and especially a big sci-fi movie like like this like for something to really have that sort of subtext in a character that you know and love like Han Solo and you know he has that line where he when he's trying to break into uh I forget the character's name right now, the lead actress, but he's trying to break into her mind. He says, I, I can tell you think Han Solo is the father you'd always wish you'd always had. I can tell you he would have let you down. Yeah. You know, you really get really clear, well delivered, well acted, well written, well conceived glimpses of this guy's yeah. hatred. I mean, it's it's well done. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I, and I like I said, uh, for me it was the second viewing for it that got I, I got the Kylo Ren. I focused more on his character because there was so much for me to take in, and I was jazzing so much from it because it was as I'm watching the film, it's what I was going. Damn, this is really good. Holy crap, this is really good. <laughs> and I was like, oh wait, what I just missed. Uh, so, uh, but so we do have Han Solo in here. This yeah. is pretty Kylo, much. Well, I just want to really quickly just say the Kylo Ren character was so great because it, it allowed it, it gave you that flip side of the original. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a total like mirror image of the original side path to redemption, and they didn't pussyfoot around by saying this guy is totally evil at the beginning. No, they actually started out by showing him conflicted. Which sure. was a real big surprise, and it made this arc so much more Shakespearean when that big shot <laughs> moment comes. That I, I actually loved that character. It's one of my favorite characters in the whole movie. Though yeah. I gotta tell you that you know it's it's hard to compete with those heroes. So. <laughs> well, the heroes are so larger than life characters, but I think. Yeah, uh, Derek, your 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 feelings. I know you like the Kylo Ren character. Uh, did you like? kind of the temper tantrums he had in that they seem more believable than and I think it's Adam Driver's uh, performance than say Anakin's in the prequels. I think they finally captured the true nature of the dark side in the Sith is is that it was always it's based on passion. It's based on feeling yourself and your feelings and not being in control of those and allowing those to guide you. And, and make your decisions for you and getting your strength based on the intensity of your passion. And he embodied that. Uh, he went from wild highs where he would react to things and totally trash an entire room with his lightsaber to very quiet, intimate moments with people that he deeply felt those things even though he had ulterior motives. So I think for the first time you finally get a Sith, or you finally get a bad guy that's well-rounded. Honestly, I think, yeah, say what you will, Darth Vader is the most iconic villain in in film history. There's no doubt about it. Kylo Ren may be the the most Mm well-rounded bad guy in this series. He, He gave us the best insight of what it might actually be like to be a Sith student. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, we heard about it a lot, but we didn't really get that in the prequels because one, the performance, and two, Lucas's directing. Let's just not mince any words there. Uh, pure, pure and simple, it, it just didn't quite feel that genuine. Here, Adam Driver just put his all into this Kylo Ren character, and you do feel that conflict. You, you, you see that training that 
we actually see being done outside of just convincing him that his loved one's going to die. No, we actually see that uh, the, you know, uh, Snook, uh, the the Supreme Leader Snoke, uh, you know, play with him and go, you know what, don't, don't think about that, dude. Just, you know, just go do this. <laughs> hey, know, hey, Mark, like, can we call can we call Snook uh, Snooky for the rest of the Snooky? episode? <laughs> Snooky, <laughs> Supreme Leader Snooky. <laughs> So, uh, you know, Kylo Ren uh, uh, had an <coughs> ultimate moment, which I, like I mentioned last night, I was evil because second showing, I didn't watch the moment when Han Solo gets skewered. I watched the audience and watched them all drop their mouths and start bursting into tears, and I chuckled to myself wholeheartedly because that's what I had done the previous night. Uh, so <laughs> I'm like, ha ha, you got it now. Um, but <laughs> I know I'm cruel like that, but uh, the one You're lady next Lord. to me, the ne- lady next to me after that happened, uh, she she didn't stop crying five minutes after <laughs> it happened. So I I mean she was still going. But uh, <laughs> Han Solo, how did you feel? You know he complained about we we've heard stories about how in Jedi he felt like too much like the comic relief, and I think in here they gave a good balance to him. But you did kind of feel like that moment was coming. It was kind of telegraphed way, the oh, yeah. way once his character shows up, wouldn't you say, Glenn? Uh, that you kind of saw it coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much so. It, yeah. it did it did not it did not surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it still affected me, but it didn't surprise me. I saw it coming quite a ways away. And did you think Han Solo maybe had a little bit too comedic moments, or did it feel like old curmudgeon Han Solo? <laughs> well, not curmudgeon, but just old old I think Han somewhere, Solo. I think somewhere in between. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I think he's he's obviously older, but, I mean, I'm, I'm getting older, and I am a little more curmudgeon, but I'm still a bit of a smartass. Sure, and that's that's what it is. I mean, he's he's still a smartass. He's just older, so he's a little more tired. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Scotty, do you what about you? Did you feel like they handled uh, Han Solo's character well in this? I thought they handled him really well. Now, at first, of course, I was disappointed, and it kind of brings me back to something that Paul was saying earlier that when he was wanted Kylo Ren to be Luke Skywalker, and he turned out he didn't. Well, I guess this... And he said, said well, the second best story they went with, and that's good. And I kind of was feeling a little bit like that when Han Solo appeared, because I'm like, oh, wait, him and Leia aren't still together? Aw. <laughs> I mean, I was really upset. I mean, like, that's like a 32-year love story that you just flushed down the toilet. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, you know, so I was a little like, but, you know, here's, and this is, you know, it's one of the rules I try to instill on myself, and it is the hardest rule to abide by, which is I try to judge a movie on, on what it is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's not. That's not a judgment of anything. It's just a really hard rule to go by because you have these preconceived notions about it. And so I, it took me a little while. But given his personality, like yeah, you know what? He is still Han Solo. He's just 32 years older. And guess what? Yes, as Glenn says, you're gonna be curmudgeonly. Uh, I didn't have a problem with how uh, Harrison Ford in aged in uh, Crystal Skull, a film that I seem to like better than basically the rest of the entire world. Um, <laughs> the, I didn't mind that, and I certainly didn't mind it here. Now, we've seen uh, characters get made older, and they completely change. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember uh, 
the TV series uh, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Oh yeah, oh. it was a good. It was a good show. Um, and um, you know, but you know that was basically the prequels before the prequels, guys. <laughs> um, and uh, if you remember, one of the most misguided things they did though is that they would open each episode with an old Indiana Jones who would tell who had this patch over his eye and he'd tell some ki- and he'd find like some rambunctious kids running around and then he'd tell them a story like some really annoying old guy and <laughs> you really didn't want to see that it's like oh that's not Indiana Jones oh my god this no it's totally Indiana Jones but you're going to be crankier because guess what I'm freaking crankier I've lived <laughs> and, and you know life's hard if, if you know if, if life doesn't weather it, it, it's always like a you know you're always going to gain a little bit of an extra cantankerous edge as you go on. The, <laughs> the trick is just not to totally give in to it, you know. And I don't think he did. I think that there was still a lot of that old swagger there, mm-hmm. but with a little bit of cantankerous thing. And I think he saw some wonderful things, like in the scenes when he did reunite with Leia. Oh man, that those scenes just almost made me break up. I, I, I got misty-eyed when she hugged him. Oh, I, I, I totally, totally did. <laughs> oh, like, I was like, oh I, my god, this I'm is like, They're together. Oh my god. I, uh, and I knew it was going to end that way. Like you said, it was totally telegraphed and stuff like that. He's like, you need to help me. I'm like, oh shit, this is not going to end well. <laughs> because this is only episode 7. <laughs> <laughs> she, drops, she drops the line that I can't reach him, and yes, you can. You're his dad. You're not Luke. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. That's it. He's, yep. he's, he's, he's done because he's, he's got two more episodes to go, right? We had to find out is he going to get better? He's going to get worse. And the also there's the idea that you know it was a kind of a more practical thing that of the cast members, uh, let's face it, Harrison Ford kind of looks the oldest. Yeah, he does. We we now don't think I'm thinking that anything bad's going to happen to him in the next like five or six years, however long it takes to finish this first trilogy out. I don't think that, and God forbid if it did. But <laughs> he, he had a little he had a little trouble in some of those running scenes. Well, you got, we'll you know, he already already and, got like horribly injured on the this. Yeah, set. I know, right? You know, I mean, like you get so like, but. Yeah, you know, they're going to have to, like, have, like, his arc wrap up pretty quickly. And I'm like, I didn't feel like it was a cheat. I didn't feel like it was just, like, a, a an emotional blackmail for the audience. I felt like it was really well done. I thought we really saw a good epilogue to this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I did, too, and... Uh... Uh, I felt they handled him well, even with the more little more comedic moment with the uh, uh, monsters on the freighter. Uh, Derek, how did you feel kind of how that whole thing played out? I mean, I like the idea of the Falcon being transferred, stolen from one person to the next, but how did you think that played out, or how did that sit with you, that whole thing with the tentacle monsters and stuff? It was pre-functory. Yeah. It was basically, it was just a scene that... How do we get these characters off of this freighter and into the Millennium Falcon and out the door? Um, it was more than likely my least favorite scene in the entire film, just because, yeah, yeah. the the it really it it there was no real tension in it. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't feel like there was any consequence because it was early in the movie and you knew. None of these characters were going to die in this scene. So honestly, it all it was was just there to get them 
off of that freighter and into the Millennium Falcon. So honestly, it was it was quick and it was done it was done quickly. So uh, so be it. I I, I just ignored it because I yeah the tentacle monsters looked awful. They they did. That was my oh. one. I didn't have much problem with the scene. I had problems with the way the monsters looked. It just looked like a world of CG. And I'm like, oh come on, show some more imagination <laughs> than that. I, I want to talk a little bit more about the characters, but then we'll get into the kind of the the the, the production value of the film. Uh, but with the Falcon, who is a character, an iconic character, Paul, how did you like how they handled the Falcon, especially the reveal of the Falcon, the junk? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was humorous. It was like, yeah, they they refer to it, and they don't actually show you it. They show another ship. They're going for the other ship. It blows up the other ship, and then they're like, okay, let's go to the junk ship. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the Falcon. <laughs> and it's the Falcon, and it's just like, wow. But it, it, it was fitting that it, it kind of is a reflection of Han Solo mm-hmm. in, in that it, it got old as well, and um, you know, and I love the fact that they replaced the the little uh, scanning dish on there, because it, yeah. it just harkens back to the uh, Return of the Jedi, and you know how, you know, the dish got knocked off, yeah. The dish got do- knocked off, and it was like those little details were great. And and it was really neat, though, was the fact that as they as the characters were going in there, it was like, wow, th- it, this looks familiar. This It didn't look at all like they redid any of it. You know, it was just like, yeah, this is, this is the Millennium Falcon, just a little older. They didn't pull it Enterprise D or E. It is the Falcon. It's just a little more dirty and a little more dinged up. Yeah. Uh, and, and we and we got to see more angles from it too. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Which was which was great. And I think that was a great way to get you comfortable with the characters. Uh, the new characters. Uh, what do you think, Glenn? Because you've got these new characters, Ray and Finn, and you kind of want the audience to warm up to them. And you, you, you have so far, but they're still fresh. But then you put them in probably one of the most, if not the most iconic ship you could, and they show that they can actually operate it. Do you think that helped get the audience to warm up to these characters a bit? Wait, they are the Enterprise? No, 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 the Falcon. Uh, and now um, his loyalties are known. <laughs> um, fly her apart, then. I, I mean, the the Falcon is there because uh, it's it's a tool to introduce Solo. Mm-hmm. It's uh, fan service. Sure. That's why it's there. It's it's there because we fucking saw the picture of it uh, <laughs> in the teasers. You better show us the. Goddamn Millennium Falcon, um, and it's—I think it's also there to just give some more uh, examples of uh, the skills that uh, Ray, uh, Ray, Ray has. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you know it's—it's—and and this is something that people have been complaining about—is is her character calling her a Mary Sue because she's just too good at stuff. Because oh, she can just fix the Millennium Falcon, but that's all she's done for the last how many years is salvage spaceships. She probably knows them pretty well. Um, and you get to see some of that where she gets to fix stuff. And I think it also uh, shows some of her... Uh, it's been shown throughout all the Star Wars movies that those who are Force-sensitive um, just have a kind of natural affinity to being pilots. Mm-hmm. And I think this was also part to show that, that she has that natural affinity. She's never flown a spaceship before. She's flown her little speeder thing. 
but she's never flown a spaceship, but somehow she takes to it quite easily, and I think that's just, again, showing the fact that she is Force-sensitive. Right, well, extremely Force-sensitive, and even they lean a little bit to Finn on that, and you know, I think a lot of people miss that dialogue in there where they both meet up after they escape with a phenomenal scene with the Falcon being chased by a couple TIE fighters, uh, where they both meet each other to go, did you see what I just did? I can't believe I did <laughs> that. <was> so good. <laughs> you know, they both did that. And so I think, you know, it shows surprise even in their characters that they were able to do what they were able to do. And I don't think it's a Mary Sue at all. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we've established this thing over six films by now of how powerful the Force is. And those who are in tune to it, especially the Skywalker line of people, are really in tune to it. And, and they have extra you know, talent that other people – just natural talent that other people don't. And I I can't understand that complaint either. Uh, I don't think it's really warranted at all. You know, of her picking up things too quickly. Uh, did that bug you at all, Cole? That uh, she picked things up too quickly? No, 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 not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all, man. I loved uh, her character. Uh, everything about her character. I had zero complaints with her and her interactions. Uh, uh, oh man, with the actor who also did awesome, playing opposite her. Um, mm-hmm. John, What's the Boye- name? John Boyega. Oh, man. So good. Mm-hmm. Their interactions are so good. Very crisp and comedic and fresh and just perfect for a Star Wars movie. Well, I mean, well, god damn. Somebody knew <laughs> what they were doing here. Really. Well, and they, they felt young, so they weren't exactly, you know, making mature choices either, would you say, Derek? I mean, they did feel like they, they weren't above their age did they at all in this film no i don't think so because i think there was a, a few interactions where they kind of devolved into little kids mm-hmm. and and uh, they were showing that they weren't in total grasp of the situation and uh to me it was refreshing it was nice to see people that weren't just walking around all, and we're gonna keep picking on them damn prequels. Weren't walk, weren't walking around with sticks in their in their bums. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be nice on your podcast. Oh, here. you don't have to. Sky oh, already just, ruined yeah, I that. Flushed, yeah, I, I, I screwed him good. But, but you're not. You're not being told how amazing these people are. These are just people. They don't. They don't know they have powers. They don't know that they're anything beyond what they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's refreshing to see that now. John Boyega's character, Finn, he was trained from from a baby uh, to be a killing machine. So he obviously does have some skills ahead of him. And um, what's her name? Uh, Daisy Daisy yeah. Ridley. Her character, um, she's obviously this scavenger. So she's a survivor. So they obviously do inherently have some hard ass skills. But at the same time, they're just people. Mm-hmm. They're not Jedi's. At least we don't we don't know that until right. later. Um, so yeah, no, I thought they were great. Yeah, I I loved what they did with the Ray character because it seemed even refreshing, didn't it, Paul? For a female character within Star Wars, I mean, Leia was strong until she wasn't. Uh, but here, I mean, she her character stayed consistent throughout. I think as a strong character, I never felt 
once where she fell back into maybe that trope of other female Star Wars characters that even Padme was kind of because she wanted the man mm. type of deal. Uh, how'd you feel about how Ray was handled versus, say, other female characters in Star Wars? I think she got stronger, actually, because in the beginning we're kind of introduced to her as, oh, I'm, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Uh, you know, and the, but then as she she starts going on the on the hero's journey, she starts to like push push Finn into becoming a better person as well. So everyone around her is affected by this aura of of her destiny, kind of you know, mm-hmm. and and it was really nice at the very end uh, to to have her kind of deliver the the lightsaber. And it was just, it was, it was kind of like an epic moment. It was like, wow, this is, this is a really neat thing of her character, kind of like the reverse torch passing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's and the Luke, the look on Luke's face for the the thirty seconds we get to see him, though, yeah. he kind of is surprised, and he's like, oh, you're gonna make me do this, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> You, you had to find me. Now I'm gonna have to train you. Look at this crap. <laughs> He's like, can't I hide at all? Uh, but I loved what they did with Finn, and even the, now the whole lightsaber thing. You bring up a great point, Paul, because apparently the original, original, one of the original openings was a severed, uh, not a severed hand. I, I'm being too morbid, <laughs> but a lightsaber hurling through space and oh. ended up landing on a plant on the planet. Uh, and being, trying to find it. And then it was being it was found by someone, and then they sh- were supposed to do like a montage thing where it was it was passed on to someone else until Maz uh, got it. Oh, um, I don't like that. And, and they they kind of did that, but for me, I kind of liked the mystery of the fact of his his lightsaber is just sitting in this creaky old chest in this temple in the middle of pretty much nowhere. <laughs> I, you, I don't like I don't like that other ending. First of all, how the hell's the thing flying through space? It's space. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and second of all, it's just too, it's too complicated. And, and it brings it's it's we don't really need to know that the lightsaber has been passed oh. down to person to person to person. We just need to know that the right person is there to accept the responsibility of it at the right time. And that's well, the whole point, you know? Well, Scott, it also plays into the whole mystical theme that was in the original trilogy, in that things are destined. Things don't exactly just happen. Right, well, that, well that, but what a better way to say it, an even better way to say it than to have it passed down is to do it just like they did it, very well, yeah. I might add, <laughs> that... You were destined to be here at this moment and everything. And even though she refuses it, it comes back to her, you know. Yep. And she and who? But how does it come back to her? Does does someone hand it to her? No. You know what? She reaches out her hand and boom, takes it. Uh, I I love this character so mm. much. I thought like what she they did with this character was so great. I don't think she's a Mary Sue at all because why? Look at her at the beginning. Like you said, I mean. When she's uh, scavenging and accepting like food rations, she doesn't even haggle. No, she she doesn't do anything, you know. Uh, and she she just accepts things as they are. And what? Why does she do that? Fear. Yeah. Well, that's like the worst enemy of a je- of a budding Jedi of all. Sure. And <laughs> it's all about overcoming that, you know. And mm-hmm. I I loved what they did with it. That Daisy Ridley. First of all, I was not familiar with her work before this movie. Me neither, man. And man, she just 
blew the doors off this thing, you know, and I just thought yeah. she did such a great job. For for a character and the way they wrote her to put a newer actress to where she's she's the central point in the film. She's carrying this story and most of the film, in all honesty. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought she did fantastic in it. And the, her whole figuring things out of how they use the Force things, Derek, they kind of explain that without words, don't they? How she kind of tunes in real quick going, oh, Kylo's doing that to me. Can I do that to him? Oh, yeah, I can. Uh, I mean, how did you think it, her figuring out her force powers? Do you, uh, you, you you like how they handled that as well, or did she pick up on those too quickly? Uh, I mean, uh, again, I guess I'm just going to go to the fact that at this point we've seen six films. Sure. We've watched entire uh, cartoon series. We've <laughs> played video games. We've we've played board games. We've played. We've read books. We've done all this shit. Do we really need explanation as right. to how people figure out the force? Mm-hmm. No. So it didn't bother me. It didn't mm-hmm. bother. We know how the force works. You just reminded me of that to line. Go through it again? <laughs> you just reminded me of that hilarious line, though, when he, about the one person who doesn't know. <laughs> Is the is Finn the John Boyega character? He says, "We'll we'll figure it out. We'll use the force." That's not how the force, the force works. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, even Hot Solo's like, dude, dude, that's not how the force works. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek reference to you know having to explain away everything. It's yeah. literally we know how this world works. She, we know that she has these powers. Let's just fast forward and get to the business. Let's let's stop. As as uh, Scott so eloquently said, let's stop pussyfooting around and let's just get down to the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is, I mean, it's the Force, and no one, as much as the the prequels are bad, no one's sitting there going, "Well, how can a ten year old build droids and uh, fly in a space <laughs> battle?" Force, motherfucker. That's it. It's just <laughs> that's just how it goes. It's 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 the it's the it's the uh, uh, Star Wars equivalent of the Lord works in mysterious ways. You know, in it other is, words, don't is. ask stupid questions. You know, and she pulls on her emotions, and we get that final conflict in with Kylo Ren, which a lot of people again, uh, the internet loves to bitch, uh, where people are like, oh well, how did you know, Finn know how to handle a lightsaber. I'm like, he was taught hand-to-hand combat. Lightsaber, you don't need to be a Jedi to wield a lightsaber. A it's sword. a sword. It's a yeah. fucking sword. You just need to be, you know, you just need to be, but you need to be a Jedi in order to, to like, handle it really well, just like yeah. a samurai knows how to handle the, the his blade very well, but anybody can pick the freaking blade up and skewer somebody with it. That doesn't take much. <laughs> and they even show it, if you show the, if you notice that battle at the end, the way Finn battles with the lightsaber versus Ray. Finn fights like he's got some training. Ray is f- fighting with more emotions to where she's trying to go for that kill shot every single time. You watch her and she's constantly trying to stab at him. You know, un- until the end there when she tunes into the Force, which again, people complained and I'm like that's the Force. She she was told, "Hey, just listen to, you know, 
the Force, and she types in, and she just beats the shit out of Kylo then. Are people <laughs> really complaining about all Because I'll be yeah. honest with you, it's been well, extremely hard. I have avoided all spoilers. It, I've even only seen the teaser and the first trailer. I haven't watched anything I, else, and I had to avoid everything else before seeing this movie. I was looking for it for our show because I wanted to see just how much, and I had heard. And there, there are. There are things. These are oh, common yeah. These are oh common complaints. God, go outside, people. I got to agree with all you guys. I got to totally agree. People seem to forget. It's like it's like these people didn't watch the actual movie. Well, how could she just stand up to Kylo when he's a trade? It's like motherfucker got shot in the chest with a blaster. Yeah. <laughs> just enjoy, just enjoy the ride. We're taking you through space, you ungrateful bastards. <laughs> it's such a better world now if you ignore. Everyone, yeah, go really enjoy is. films except the show. Yeah, if, if you want to sit and listen to to people, um, go on about it and, and dissect them. Good for you, but to be honest, yeah. I think there's two. Oh, this is so hypocritical, but there, there's just too much noise now, and there's too many people that feel that their bullshit opinion is worth anything. Just go and enjoy things. I, I have completely ignored all of the internet noise sure. about this film because, honestly, people just want to bitch to bitch and do not enjoy anything because if they bitch, people will listen to them. People I haven't heard from in months are telling me I'm wrong about Star Wars. Like, <laughs> well, fuck, man. I'm serious. Hey, cool. No, you know? Cool. You're, you're the big fan, like myself, of another film that featured a strong female character throughout. Are we having the same similar people feeling uncomfortable about this situation <laughs> of a strong female character throughout? I mean, I want to see Ray oh, yeah. and Furiosa team up and <laughs> hell yeah, go bring me no, that you're, movie. You're absolutely right in drawing that comparison. And you know, it is a, I didn't, you know, I don't want to turn this into a big feminist thing. Anybody who's seen Little Red Riding Hood, probably three or four people here know you know, I, 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 I have pretty strong opinions. So you put a strong woman in a movie, you got me. And this is this wasn't just like a hook. This was well executed. Again, I was with this character way more than I was with Mark Hamill in episode one or four or whatever. Right, the hell four, yeah. Just call it Star Wars because I, I will tell you, you know, exactly. obviously, obviously by Empire they'd won me over because you know Irvin mm-hmm. Kirshner is a genius and. They were dealing with characters, and you know, sure. I love I love Luke as a series built on, but I'm just <coughs> this movie is so much like a New Hope that I can't help but compare them, and everything clicks better for me here. the The death of of Hans is much more eloquent to me, uh, to my taste palette, than the death of Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. It's better shot. You you get far more resonance granted as Derek has stated you know we have all these years of fandom so that attributes to it but I'm not the hardcore fan or at least I wasn't I am now I am definitely uh converted especially since Jesus Christ I love Looper that director is doing the next oh, yeah. movie 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the guy Where who did Looper doing the, doing the next one, so I'm looking forward to that. Plus, he and J.J. Abrams got together when they were making this one and collaborated and talked about the, the direction of the film, so I'm really looking forward to 8, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, awesome. You know, we talk about Ray being a strong character. I liked what they did with Finn. I wasn't quite sure what they were going to do with his character, but I, I really liked the Finn character as well, and it makes me want to see more of him. Uh, Paul, do you want to see more of the Finn character? Because, well, first, John Boyega, I mean, rocks. But yes. how did you feel about Finn's character? I loved the fact that he started out potentially could have been bad, but he makes a choice. He makes a choice early on. You see him make that choice. You see how conflicted he gets. And then you see him that that decision kind of sets his destiny in motion. And uh, there's that there's that moment, too, where he's like, I'm going to run. And to me, that's like, <laughs> no hero does that. <laughs> and it was great to see a hero do that. And mind you, heroes have to be heroes, so of course the story is going to draw them back in. But it was neat that this guy was trying to run away. And uh, I loved that about his character, and I love the fact that that he wasn't my typical uh, expectation of a hero. And mm-hmm. and that's why I, I would I would love to see him again. I want to see his character grow. I think he had a much better relationship with Ray than the Anakin and um, Amidala type relationship. Right. So I really hope that they develop that in the next few movies. Yeah, you felt like they were kind of touching to that, but I, I like the fact too if they just keep them as close friends too. I, I like that idea. As well, if it doesn't go past that, <laughs> and uh, but the Finn character, a lot of people are speculating he might be force sensitive as well. Glenn, what do you think? Uh, you think Finn might be at least sensitive to the force? Oh, uh, he absolutely is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that's why uh, Kylo Ren stops at, on uh, after the battle when he looks over at him. Sure, uh, I think that's part of what helps him break his conditioning. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, he has the whole moral dilemma of wiping out a whole village, but I think part of this is because that that awakened the force in him. Right. It's just he's not as uh, he does not come from the same lineage that Ray does, so it's not as natural to him. But but he is sensitive, yeah, and that, that's the oh, impression he absolutely is. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the impression I got with with his character as well. And I really enjoyed the scenes with him and the other character that uh, the new character that we brought in that uh, I liked what they did with him, who actually I read was supposed to die <laughs> uh, uh, earlier in the movie, uh, but they figured out how to work him in. Was Poe Dameron, played by Oscar Isaac uh, Scott? I'm very glad he didn't die. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was so happy to see him again. I'm like, oh, good. That would have been such a lame thing to kill him yeah. like that. Um, it, it, I, it was, a, it's a good character, and it was such a good. I mean, just the way they teamed up right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, just the way they teamed up at the beginning with with in in that you know the, when they uh, steal the Tie Fighter was fantastic. I mean, the John Boyega character Finn is just a fantastic. I mean, well, the Poe character gives him his name Finn because all yeah. he has is a number. Number. Uh, yeah, no. you know, and uh, an important the, number. Yeah, it, John. Yes. F N. Twenty one eighty seven. Yes. Okay, so help cell, cell number that, that Leia was in. 
Yep. Get the fuck out! Yes, <laughs> yes it's See, the I same. I thought you were going to tell me it was 1138. Yeah, I thought you were going to tell me it was 1138. Nope. I thought it was another <coughs> nope, reaction. That's, that's the same cell number that Leo was in. I didn't know that. Get him out. That's cool. But anyway, yeah, I mean, the, the whole character, that's really cool. I'm going to look for more Easter eggs. <laughs> it's still not as amazing as Order 69, but I no, don't think we'll we'll that yet here. It's shocking as... The other sixty-nine, but I mean, like the no, I thought love the poker character, love John Voy. I thought John Voyager just nailed it. That opening scene with John Voyager too. I'm gonna go down Poe. I'm sorry, in just a second. But I mean, I just want to say that that opening scene with the Finn character before you even see his face was so really startling. I was not expecting that. You're yeah. seeing you're seeing the typical like you know them blowing away. All of a sudden, you see the blood smeared on the stormtrooper helmet. You see this person like a stormtrooper. You never see a stormtrooper get disoriented yeah. in the heat of battle and just like look around and like, oh, like you're, he's having an existential crisis in the middle of this special <laughs> effects battle. You're like, that was really amazing. And I loved how they teamed up. I, I, they seemed to be like kindred spirits. And they're cheering. They're going, woo! And, you know, honestly, when they were cheering and going, woo, honestly, in my head, my little heart was going, woo! With them because <laughs> it was so exciting. It um, And it did remind me of this. I want to just really quickly go back to this before we move on because I didn't get to say it before. I stayed, like, was going to be like this thing, okay, I'm going to be staying reverentially silent during this movie. Right, just just to bring it all in here and everything like that. I'm not gonna chatter or do anything like that. I'll laugh at if a joke's funny, but when they did pan over to the Millennium Falcon in that scene, and they said that ship, and they go over to the they show it. I just went, oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) I'm forty, man. (laughs) No, this is this is no shit. Just a quick. Side note, uh, we saw it twice uh, at the 7 o'clock show Thursday and the 5 o'clock show Friday, something like that. And both times there was mad cheering during the opening scrawl and a standing ovation for the credits. And I've never seen that. I'm not saying the movie is necessarily that good, but I'm just saying it's unique to me, especially in this small town. I mean, Christ. (laughs) <laughs> wild but uh, I, I mean I liked how Finn and, and Poe interacted when they first that felt natural with the way that the film had, had gone at that point and it, it was a fun Star Wars moment that was something that was an event that felt kind of you know more Star Wars-ish than say out of other you know the, the way that played out uh, where it was heavy yet it was also a little bit you know joyous as well with Foe and Poe and I really like the Poe character because, Derek, we, we've got a pilot who they say is the best pilot in the galaxy, and we actually get to see him be the best pilot <laughs> in the Resistance. What did you think of Poe? Did he have to be so goddamn happy all the time? <laughs> Jesus Christ. The guy was smiling constant. No, he was great. He was a fun character. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. It was, it was good to see characters that, that – um, you kind of rooted for, mm-hmm. you know. I, and we're gonna. Keep, I'm gonna keep doing this because the movies suck. There were none of the prequels had any characters that you latched onto. No, yeah. it, it was nice to see characters again. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, you, it, even your minor characters, you, you get. I mean, for me, yeah. 
And that's what I think attests to the screenplay and the story that they wrote is the, the characters is because I every character that we got into that that actually had the speaking part, you know, and was on screen for more than a few seconds, I wanted to know more about because they they were so interesting to me. Like the Matt, you know, the Maz character, which I still find it kind of interesting of a choice to take uh, a very tall, uh, a slender actress and put her in a motion capture where she's a really short, elderly <laughs> uh, a character. And I understand that Star Wars in that, but I thought she did a great job. But, you know, I wanted to know a lot more about Maz. <laughs> you know, she was, just for the few minutes she was out there. Oh, like, that will be books. <laughs> I'm sure there's books and expansion and, and Wikipedias and all that, but... You know, I, I like the Maz character and, and that whole setup as well. Uh, Glenn, what did you think of the Maz character and, and where she, you know, her establishment, if you will? Uh, did that feel like it fit all in with the Star Wars universe? I think it fit. Um, I didn't like her look. Right. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a different thing. No, I think she, I think she fit fine. I uh, I like the fact that it makes sense that uh, the resistance has allies that aren't like you know actually you know she's not actually like in the resistance she's a, right. a friend of the resistance and that makes sense that you have people you know who aren't you know they're not not everyone the resistance is hanging out at their little base you know waiting to be blown up by the star killer um, and and I think she fits very well in with the mythos as well there, there's and I think there's there's obviously uh, more to her story as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she's how old? You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, is, that, like is a... that Yoda's sister? Younger <laughs> sister, maybe? Um, she's a, a thousand some years old. Yeah, I, I, I just like her character though, and where she came in and how they handled her. I don't think they needed to make her motion capture, uh, though. I think they could have left her. You know, Lupita, I think they could have left her as Lupita. You know, they didn't necessarily need to make her an alien, I don't think. Or they could have done a practical effect on her than that, but, you know. They need to have, and you notice this uh, also, and I had no problem with this, honestly, because I think sometimes, and I, again, you know, to go back to Derek was saying, we saw too much of it in the prequels. Mm -hmm. You saw almost too much alien, too much things. But the Star Wars things have always had some aliens. Right. And stuff ever since the beginning. The prequels had too much of it. This one had almost none. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think to have her, you had to have her in there just to, you know, kind of... It added that, like, okay, good, yeah, we are going to see it. And we even got a little bit of a cantina thing going on there. Yeah, we did get a cantina thing in there. But it was, like, a nice thing to see where... You know, so you got that in there, and I think it was important to have that alien character that was not just a background character. Yeah, but I guess the problem I have with it is the problem that I also had with our grand, our supreme leader Snook, who you can explain away as being a shitty projector in this big, huge <laughs> room, so he looks a little more animated. But they used J.J. Abrams was big, and this is where I want to go to next. J.J. Uh, Abrams was big on using practical effects and mixing it in with the CGI, kind of like what they did with uh, a Fury Road in a lot of ways. You know, where you have as much practical stuff as you can put in there, and then you work the CG. And in here, 
you know, the only thing is when you go all CG, it all blends together because it's all CG. Here, when you've got a lot of great practical effects and prosthetic makeup and on the characters, I mean, no one recognized Simon Pegg as the junkyard guy who's <laughs> handing out the rations. That, oh, that, is that who he was? Okay. That's who he was. He's got a prosthetic mask on. Okay, and you get all these great prosthetic effects and everything, and then you insert a CGI character. They stand out a lot more. Derek, I know you had kind of a problem with Maz and, and a couple of the CGI characters because they stood out, I think. Was it because the practical effects were so good? Uh, I think it's just because the CGI was so shitty. It uh-huh. just... I think, you know, when you had all these amazing sequences of CGI, like let's just take, for example, that unbelievable barrel like chase with with the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah. The ruins and through all that shit, just phenomenal CGI. And then you have that Baz character that looks like E.T. looks better than that thing. <laughs> It was horrible looking, so I just thought it was really misguided. If they were, I think, you know, if they were going to go all the way, they should have went all the way, or or just not had had to have such weird characters. Like simplify it more, because that CGI looked awful. Just looked awful. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, what about you, uh, Scott? Uh, would you feel that the CGI when they did the CGI characters did that stand out a little bit more and and not look quite as crisp as like everything else in the film? It, I didn't have a problem with it before. I might have a problem when I watch it again now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm going to be looking for stuff like that. Uh, the CGI, um, I can see. You know, the the Maz character did kind of look like Woody Allen's character from Ants. <laughs> I can struggle that a bit, but I mean, like the um, but I mean, like uh, the only CGI I I remember noting that I had a problem with was the um, raptors or whatever they called those monsters sure. that got loose on the Millennium Falcon. Just because I thought I don't like to when I see CGI, I don't like to see like a big like swirly thing. I mean, I had the same problem in the movie Mama. I thought the char- the 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 ghostly mama character was too much of like a big swirly vapor thing, and I felt like it was just like a big mismatch of tails and tentacles, and that was the only part that I really had a problem with the CG. I will say that Derek is dead on with one thing, and that is that the characters definitely the CGI characters definitely did not look as good as the incredible uh, space battle scenes. Yeah. Those yeah, those really did take the cake. I don't know if they had like a different well, department working on them or what, but yeah, I, I will say that. I may be wrong on it, but Paul, uh, you might know as well. Uh they they did use more spaceship models in those though too, didn't they? In some of those battle scenes, I mean, they looked like they had more weight than being completely CGI. Uh, I don't know actually. So I think I, I think they did do a mixture. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't. But you know what? Uh, and this is a good testament, I guess. I couldn't tell you wh- which one is yeah. which. You you yeah. couldn't you couldn't tell. I mean, that's where I was like too. And and Derek's absolutely right. That's that battle with the Millennium Falcon. Oh my lord! I was totally geeking out over that whole. I'm like, holy crap! I'm like, this is so friggin' awesome. <laughs> if, if I could give maybe a speculation as to why. It stands out so much more, and I think maybe sure. this is just let me let me just wax a little bit on the on kind of like demystifying special effects work a little bit, seeing how I kind of have a little bit of 
experience uh, doing <laughs> it. Um, the reason why it, the the planes and the spaceships and um, like the backdrops and stuff like that they don't stand out so much because when you're looking at a creature, you focus on eyes. Mm-hmm. You generally, when you look at somebody and you're talking, you're interacting with someone, you're looking at eyes. And CG still is not getting eyes right. Mm-hmm. So it immediately, like as soon as you see that the eyes, they they pull you out, and then you start looking at the surrounding elements, and it pulls you out even more. Where you mm-hmm. see these amazing crisp uh, spaceships flying with all these particle effects, and in the speed, and and it's just constantly moving all over the place. You can't do that with. CGI characters and focus on them as well because it takes an immense amount of time mm-hmm. to try and get a character that you sit and focus on eyes. It takes so much time to make something like that. Sure. That um, it's easy for us to like say, okay, yeah, this stuff looks all cool. Oh man, this. Jar Jar Binks looks like a pile of fucking donkey balls. <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the basic fact that when we sit and have to pay attention to something that talks, we focus on eyes, and CGI eyes still suck. Yeah, uh, and I I will say yeah that's proud that's what catches me is you you stare at the eyes and for me. Uh, I think they like I said the Maz character. I keep coming back to it because that one really stood out because she gets more, you know, the most screen time and she actually, you know, drives some of the plot point. Uh, I almost wish they would have just had uh, Lapita in some prosthetics of some kind if you want to do her as an, you know, an alien um, rather than what they did. Uh, and I think the performances changed. I mean, Cole, wouldn't you say though? I think the performances were so much better in this one because. They're actually in real life locations versus a green screen stage. Would you think that might have helped of why the performances in general of almost everybody seemed good? Uh, except like when they're with Maz, it seemed a little bit off because she was totally CGI. Uh, well, well um, I, I, I want to tell anybody out there who's listening, pay attention to what Derek just said because it's very true. In fact, I just went through this. You do a decapitation scene. You do it with a model head that has the eyes closed or a model head that has the eyes open. Think of your favorite decapitation scene. Is that decapitated head, does it have its eyes open or closed? Um, <laughs> it's, it's everything. The eyes are everything. He's absolutely right. And and if there are any filmmakers out there listening to this, pay attention to what he just said because that is so true. It's why Spaced Invaders is not a timeless classic. I'm convinced of it. Because uh, that movie is good. Um, uh, as far as uh, the the character we're talking about, the uh, um, I am not the Star Wars buffoon you guys are. She is the 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 Yoda like character. Yeah, she was the lady with the goggles. At yeah, the... absolutely. Did I just say Star Wars buffoon? That's what yes, you yes, you did. I did not mean to say that. We'll virtually beat you later. No, no, no. That is literally just a lack yeah. of uh, the no, holiday. Okay. I am so sorry about that. No, I mean, we're just Star Wars buffs. No, I feelings. You know it to be true. No, sorry. No. 
me a slip up. Um, I'm so sorry. No, okay. yeah, cool. I'm working holiday hours at a grocery store, so oh, I'm God, oh. God bless you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but but with her character, but would you say the performances maybe were a little less with her because she was? I mean, her performance was great. I loved her voice and everything. Yeah, but... no, I I didn't I didn't have any problems with it, man. You're right that in the recesses of my brain, as I was watching it, yeah, Mark. Honestly, I was thinking, fuck. This should be practical. Fuck you. And then, <laughs> you know, the person in me that's sitting there watching it with my girlfriend who's bawling and her young son who, you know, is way more into it than anything we've ever watched. Sure. I mean, you can take Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and even Mad Max for him and burn it. I mean, he, you know, <laughs> compared to this movie, holy crap. I mean, you know, that, that sort of stuff just kind of dissipated. The movie was that good. You know, even the tentacle things that everybody seems to hate. I, I I see echoes of that in A New Hope with the thing in the whatever it was, crash bin that they'd crashed yep, in. There is you that. Know, kind yep. of this sightless entity. Yeah, I had no problems with any of that. I, I thought <coughs> the effects were perfect. I just want to speak very quickly about the environments, though, because I do feel like that's maybe what takes us back a notch is the set pieces, and I know we're running out of time, so I'll be quick, oh, but okay. the, uh, the lightsaber battle specifically for me, uh, oh, man, really? Uh, I just really wonder if they paid attention to why Empire and Re Return are really the ones that stand out amongst a lot of fans. Not everybody, but certainly, you know, I, I, a lot of people would say they're the, the technically better films. And I think it's because the action sequences, and, and Cameron does this too, but George Lucas and his crew, uh, specifically in the day, had very specific environments mm -hmm. and very specific atmosphere in which for the characters to interact so the action would play into the environments and both would reverb off of each other you know to put it simply so the action was the characters so there was no separation so you weren't looking for a flaw in the effect you know you were just amazed that R2 shot this lightsaber out and Luke did this double flip over this gargantuan sand dune monster and Return of the Jedi holy shit People were on their feet. There was no separation, you know? And um, I think that's where this new film loses it a bit, is because the environments don't play into the emotions as much. And I don't think it's because of the CGI. I think they were trying. There's a scene in here where she says, I've never seen so much green in the world. Mm -hmm. And Hans gives her, Han Solo gives her this look as if he feels her. Like, right. a lot of the green is gone. What have we done with the green? And that's followed almost immediately by her standing over a huge body of water. Has she ever seen a body of water like that before? Mm -hmm. She's she's literally banging the last drops out of her water bottle in the first scene. You know, there's they're trying to, to, to take you into the environments, but I think what they're missing is, is the... The way the characters interact within the environments. I mean, really, what did the snow do in that last scene? In oh, the I, light. I, I don't know. I, I think I 
have to disagree with you a little bit on that, Cole, that they interact a lot better in their environments. I guess my point was versus, say, the prequels where it was completely a CGI environment. Oh, yeah. No, I agree completely with that. I'm sorry. You know, no, no, it's okay. I I think they interacted fine. I mean, I, I kind of liked the lightsaber battle and the fact that they were actually oh, cutting, no. in the, cutting in the trees and shit. And, right uh, you know, and she was she's getting cornered and she's running up on rocks and such. You yeah. know, you know the fact that it was snow, it, it's just the fact that that's where they were. They were high up in the mountains. But, you know, that last lightsaber battle, I, I kind of like the fact they're chopping into trees and crap. I'm like, well, Mark, let's, yeah. let's uh, bring it back to its roots. It's samurai. back to the old samurai yeah. films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they're fighting in the, the, fighting in the bamboo. Yes. Uh, Shoots, right? Is that what you refer to? Where they're like cutting bamboo and stuff? Cutting we... bamboo, or if we wanted to get even more exploitation, Lady Snowblood Lady in the snow. Uh-huh. Also, there's a, also um, I'm not going to like screw myself by mixing up which Kurosawa film there is. It is, <laughs> but there is a very, but there is a Kurosawa film with a very big like samurai duel in the snow. Yes. So yeah, and and of course we've known that ever since the beginning, you know that. He took a lot of uh, influence from, say, like Hidden Fortress. I don't know if it was in Hidden Fortress. Yeah, it was, though, but I don't think it was in Hidden. I don't Fortress, think it was but... in Hidden Fortress. But I mean, we we all know that the original model for the story was basically Hidden mm-hmm. Fortress. So, yeah. uh, what you know, if I could just if I could ask a really quick question um, for people, yeah. because I think that you know Derek, for instance, mentioned he had a problem with the tentacle things, and you know, uh, some people mentioned some miscavities. I think all of us really enjoyed this movie a lot. Oh yeah, uh, no, I was like, I was grinning, I was grinning in ear to ear. I know that. Yes. But what if you could, if you could pick one thing that you didn't care for in the film, what was it? I I'll just tell you right now. For me, it was when they actually shot out the weapon and destroyed like the Republic planet thing, because I didn't get the emotional pull of. Ooh, it's like the Alderaan thing again. I got oh, this is like that bullshit Abrams pulled with Vulcan and Star the first Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> that was so that was like my like real quick, that was my personal thing. That, Anybody? That's a good question. Paul, what about you? Uh one thing that out of everything, I mean, we we've been a little nitpicky, yeah. We all love the film, but when my friends and I sit down with the original trilogy, we get nitpicky sometimes, but we joke and laugh about it. But so uh, with The Force Awakens, if there was like one thing out of anything that stood out most that you wish they could change, what would it be? Believe it or not, it was John Williams' score. Thank mm. you. Thank you. <laughs> it, it felt like he just, he just called it in. in. Yes, yes exactly. called it in. Uh, it, because, I mean, like, when, when, th- that's the one thing I really, really liked about uh, Phantom Menace was that, you know, his Duel of Fates song mm-hmm. is unbelievable. You, you, you instantly are drawn into it. And this one, yes, they had the musical cues of the original, you know, original trilogy. So you got, you, you got that excitement. But there was nothing new. None of his new material really excited me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's that was my biggest disappointment. Okay. And Glenn, what about you? <sighs> Boy, I don't know. I mean, there's there's things that I have issues with, but 
part of me thinks that if I changed it, would I really change it for the better or would I change it for the worse? Hmm. Oh. Um, well, not necessarily saying, like, it's something that you think you could have personally done better, but, like, one thing well, that I know I could stuck out. <laughs> I mean, like, because, I mean, let's face it, like, it's not like I can get behind a camera and say, like, all right, let's just fix that scene. <laughs> you know, I, I think maybe if, if I were to change something, I'd have something other than another Death Star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would I would have some other thing that they could be using. I mean, I don't know. Some you know, even if even if you just choose like a super fucking spaceship, where it's just not a Death Star, it's a spaceship or something that's not the same thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we talked about how you know, obviously they went for the sameness for a reason, but you can still have the same feel without it being a Death Star. Sure, but that's really what it is. It's a Death Star, and yeah. Funny thing is, is that a friend of mine made a Facebook p- post, and he was joking. It was just before the movie opened. He said, "Just as long as there's not a third Death Star, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and when I saw when I was watching this today, I'm like, "Oh!" <laughs> and uh, Cole, what about you? One thing uh, out of anything, if they came up to you and said, "You can change one thing in this film," what would that be? Well, I really think that. Uh, it's the last. It's the lightsaber battle specifically. Sure. But the lightsaber battle doesn't work because you just saw Han Solo die. If you think about the real emotional pulls of both the uh, the original Star Wars and and Empire, you know the big revelations happen in the lightsaber battle, right? Mm-hmm. So you get and even kind of in Return of the Jedi to an extent. Um, with this, you he just killed Han Solo. Yeah. And then I've got some murky, dark, snowy lightsaber battle in the middle of the woods. It did not work for me. And even sure. in uh, Derek inspired me to go back in 3D, you know, because mm-hmm. we saw it in standard and it was amazing. I mean, it looked amazing. And then Derek's like, they had 3D. So mm-hmm. we went back the next day, like left work early and <laughs> went back and saw it. And, uh, man, it was great. But even that, that lights, mm-hmm. there's something about it. it. I don't think it's well staged. Just didn't sit well with you, huh? No, no, I don't think it's well staged or well filmed. I don't think the pacing of the ending of the film is done. I don't think the scenes are necessarily... I think all that could have been tightened up. I'm not saying shorter, but man, if you're going to kill Han Solo, you got to have some more beef. And I know that's what Mark Hamill was there for, even even though his name is first on the poster. (laughs) I mean, like, wow. I'm not going to hold that against the movie because I'm so stoked for the next one. But, yeah, I mean, Han Solo's uh, death is great. I mean, it's powerful, emotional, and surprisingly multi-layered stuff for a film of this sort. And then to follow it up with that lightsaber battle and then even some of the scenes, the brief little scenes that followed that, including R2's resurrection, which is very abrupt, you know, and doesn't have the power it maybe could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I'm talking, you know, I don't do half stars. <laughs> I do, you know, rating sure. of five stars with no halves. I would give this a solid four, sure. maybe five, you know, once I watch it when I'm older, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and Derek, what about you? Uh, one thing you'd like to change if you could with the film? I mean, we loved it, but what would you like to change if you could? And th- this is totally on me, and I-, I really don't have anything for the film itself because I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. It would it would be the marketing of this film that 
um, had me the entire runtime anxious to see Luke Skywalker and then have him in two shots of mm-hmm. the entire fucking film. That <laughs> drove me nuts. Learn. Entire movie. Because all I did, every scene, okay, here's where Luke's going to come in, right? <laughs> nope. Here's where Luke's going to come in. He's definitely going to come in now. Nope. <laughs> this is it. This, I'm like, that was me the entire movie mm-hmm. waiting. Because I knew he was in this movie. And then he's in two, two fucking shots. They should have never... Ever and I know it's impossible nowadays to keep this stuff a secret. It's impossible. They list it on IMDb. The moment it's there, it's out. The, oh, the, yeah. the cat is out of the bag. But that would be the one thing that I would want changed. Would have a non-disclosure agreement to have not put it his credit up on IMDb to not do the entertainment uh, weekly spread uh, to not do any of that shit. Because it had me waiting the entire movie for Luke Skywalker to show up, and mm-hmm. he never did. Yeah, keep it a mystery. Keep it if he's actually going to show up or not. Keep people wondering how are they going to do a Star Wars movie without Luke. You know, yeah. and, and keep yeah. keep people hungry. And yeah, that then at least. If you don't credit him, if you don't lead on at all that he's into it, I, I totally see your point, Derek, and I have to agree that uh, if you don't know that at all, <coughs> then suddenly that reveal at the end, he shows up and he turns around, you're like, holy shit, you know, that's Luke, you know. Yeah. You know, he was showing, you know, they were making such a thing about him, like, um, I was so I was saying I'll bet you he's not going to show up until the very very end, and then when you see him kind of like with his back turned, and I said I, I was just thinking to myself if he turns around and it's you and McGregor I'm going to laugh my ass off. <laughs> no, instead he turns around with this little tiny robot hand yes. and they just kind of stand there. Yeah. Well, I was oh. kind of expecting they were going to do something like that because there's just so much else in the movie at that point. Right. I'm like, okay, yeah, they're going to ha- save it. But I mean, well, I was just thinking, man, if he turns out it's not even him, I'm going to just die laughing. Where I, where I sat there with it is I realized they had to do it because they killed Han. If they killed Han and hadn't shown Luke at all... <coughs> People would have been burning theaters down. (laughs) There would have been riots on the doorsteps of Disney. People would be setting things on fire and flipping cars over. So they had to show him, but I agree with Derek. Don't let on that he's in it. Keep people hungry so you do get the reveal. Boom, there's the credits, and then you're like, holy shit, I can't wait till episode eight. Even outside of that, though, holy shit, I can't wait till episode 8, and I think we're all in that same boat. Uh, This one, at least, it felt natural, and I think we all agree that it it did make you want to see more of these characters, which is something that none of the prequels did. It it makes you want to see more of the the films again, and we're going to get one uh, every year till the end of time. Uh, we we told this. Uh, the yeah, next that was a surprise because I mean, like I said, I've been keeping myself sheltered from it, and man, it's not easy with the internet no, these days. And the next one well, next year is going to be Rogue Squadron uh, or Rogue One. It's called. I thought I it was going to, but I thought it was going to be like uh, 
2018 until we got episode 8, and now I'm finding out, oh, it's summer of 2017? Holy cow! Because I thought they were going to do every three years like they were doing, and they're not. There's like, no, no Disney's all in on this. <laughs> no, especially after the money it made. No, it'll it'll be this, it'll be an episode, then it'll be a spinoff, then it'll be episode, spinoff, episode. I mean, at least for the next six years, we're going to have at least a Star Wars movie every year, if not more in the foreseeable future. But for me, this one, it it, it fits in there again with uh, the special, the magic of Star Wars. Uh, and I think from tonight, everybody, we're going to wrap it up here because it's getting pretty late. Uh, I think everybody picked up that, yeah, even with us being nitpicky, even us with m- mentioning some of the things we had questions on, overall, I felt like a kid again. What about you, Derek, when you watched it? Did you feel that magic again? Uh, I, it, it's hard for me to go back there nowadays. Uh, I, I think I've just... It, that that thrill... It, it uh, There's very little that gets me that excited. Did I sure. enjoy it? Uh, an immense amount. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I got all teary-eyed and as nostalgia as the rest of you gents. Because uh, while I've been a huge Star Wars fan the majority of my life, I would never say that uh, I would ever wait in line to go see one. <laughs> I would never dress up to go see one. Um, I would never probably ever tell somebody I ever read a book that had Star Wars on it. Sure. Um, uh, I just... I, was it a fun movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I... I'm just glad we're back to having fun movies in yes. the series. Well, well said. Well said. Did it make you want to see eight? Did, did you? Are you curious of what they do with eight? Oh fuck yeah! yeah. Luke, Luke Skywalker's <laughs> at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> Cole, what about you? Uh, outside of the lightsaber battle that you uh, dis- disliked, uh, in general, did this film kind of? take you back and, and give you that tinge of nostalgia and, and make you want to see 8? It really did. It really did, man. Um, and, and that's surprising because, I mean, not only did the prequels let me down, but I, I'm not a great, you know, I'm not a big Abrams follower. I don't watch TV, and I, I've never seen Lost. You know, I'm, I'm strictly a movie uh, a buff. I'm strictly a movie buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I really, you know, I, I, his takes on Star Trek weren't for me. There are many things I want to see as a Star Trek fan. One of them is not Spock doing a John McClane leap from car to car on a terrestrial highway. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. Uh, sure, I, sure. I didn't think those worked. Uh, to go into this and have it, you know, really reconnect me to my youth in a huge way to, to remind me of what Empire in Return did to me. I saw those both very closely back to back in the theater, and um, the original cuts. You know, as a right. kid, it just really—I I, I can't be sure how much they inspired me to be a filmmaker, but I can say this: I I went twice with my girlfriend and her uh, amazing son, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I may never have children because I make movies, and and I'm I that's what that's the choice I make. I make movies, but. I actually got to sit there and see, you know, watch Star Wars with a kid who, he liked Mad Max, you know, he, he likes uh, Fire and Rescue 2, he likes all that stuff. You know, he likes everything that you could 
take a kid to that would be somewhat awesome. You, you want to be the hip parent. But you could take your kid to Star Wars, you know, and mm-hmm. just have it blow his mind. Right. And just sit there and be like, and I, but I loved it that much too. That's the thing is I don't have that nostalgia. I think the original Star Wars came out before I was born. Right. So it was Empire for me. And at the time, nobody told you as a kid, hey, there's no ending. You're going to be stuck with this nightmare for a year and a half. <laughs> I mean, really, it was traumatizing, you know? Oh, it was, it was. And Empire is a hardcore film. Right from the get-go, you're dealing with characters who are living and dying by each other. Hans, huh? just, I'm going to see you in hell. Just a totally <laughs> different film. This film took me back to that place. These people were going to live and die for each other. Yeah. And would kill each other, my God. Yeah, I love the film. I'm, I probably, I'm so sorry. I'm rambling. No, that's okay. Not at I all. Love it. And Glenn, how about you, sir? Did it take you back and make you want to see 8? Um, I want to see 8. This didn't really take me back. Nothing nothing could take me back to that. Um, as, as, much as, as much as I can say something made me feel like a kid again, nothing can recapture... Uh, Seven-year-old me, six and a half-year-old me, seeing Star Wars for the first time—it's just—it's absolutely impossible. Uh, with short of me actually riding in a working Millennium Falcon. Sure. <laughs> um, it just—it can't—it—it it, it can't compare. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm 44 years old. I'm you know a grumpy son of a bitch, <laughs> and as much as I enjoy things, it—I don't have the same innocence I did back then. Um, right. And not only do I not have the same innocence, uh, film doesn't have, uh, as far as that type of movie goes, doesn't have that innocence anymore. They're, they're, you know, Star Wars broke uh, ground back then, and they can't break that ground again. It's it's right. done. The vault mm-hmm. opened. You know, it's you walk the middle out of the box. You can't put them <laughs> back in as much as you want to try. You can't. <laughs> right. And uh, Paul, what about you, sir? Uh, make you want to see eight, and, and did you feel the magic again? I felt the magic. Uh, I do want to see number eight. Uh, it wasn't the same type of magic, though. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a, a different type of magic. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's it's the type of magic that an adult has when they want to become a kid again. Mm-hmm. That's the type mm-hmm. of magic I had. I didn't have the um, magic that I had when I was a kid watching it thinking that I was the adult character in the film you know <laughs> yeah right so it was it was completely opposite and I loved that bit of it and and a lot of it though is is how movies are made nowadays it's like I'm so used to the Disney way of just cranking out movies cranking out movies I know if I wait if I wait like a year it's gonna be out the next one I don't have to it, – it's not that exciting as much as it was mm-hmm. when I was a kid. It was like, oh, it's going to be three years before I get the next film, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. Three years until we find out what the hell happened to Han. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Did so, he actually die, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scotty, how about you, sir? Well, like I said before, um, it's not – I. do I want to see the next one? Of course I do. Um, <laughs> the um, – but like I, I, I can't. Nothing's gonna replace that original trilogy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Star Wars, the first one came out when I was two. I actually couldn't see it in the theater. I couldn't see any of them until the re-release. So I was like about five or six when I started really seeing Star Wars. But it changed everything for me. And I was a child. So is it gonna? does this make you feel like I'm a child again? No. Nothing's going to do that, guys. I'm sorry. Um, but... I'll tell you what it did do. It put a huge smile on my face. <laughs> it made me really excited. I got excited for a movie, like uh, like I've only gotten maybe like maybe once or twice a year set in in the times since. Uh, like I said, this is not the most awaited film of all time. Episode one was. No matter how it turned out, the hype surrounding that because we had. No idea that they were going to turn out that way. Oh, we were just God. so excited and everything and like that. And, you know, this is a different ball of wax. It is an Abrams film. You can see it. Uh, I was watching Star Trek Into Darkness uh, earlier tonight. I'm sorry. Uh, I actually enjoy that movie. I actually enjoy that movie quite a bit, actually, believe it or not. Mm. Um, but uh, And just like that movie, because I, I wanted us to compare the styles. And, yeah, just as like I thought, the Cameron Force Awakens does a quick whip before it settles down on some people come charging down a hallway and in introductness camera does a quick whip before settling on people charging down a True. hallway it, it's his <laughs> style it's a different style i like that it's new people's style i like this new thing is this going to make me a kid again no mm -hmm. because i was you know 6 and 10 and all these other age these childhood <laughs> ages when the original star wars came out but you know what there are 6 and 10 year olds out there right now there are people, and even in this age of very, very jaded people, and you've, we've talked about some of the people who just complain about everything, but you know what? Who's probably not complaining a lot? The kids who are seeing this. The kids who, like Mark, you took kids to your kids to see this movie. Cole, you were talking about taking uh, your girlfriend's kid to see this movie. I've well, seen pictures of people bring their children, and this is so great because it's like a full circle thing about the people yeah. who were children when they saw it, now they're bringing their kids. I mean, that's so fantastic. And the grins on these kids' faces, for them, even growing up in the internet age, even with all the magic, for them it is magic. And that's mm -hmm. the magic part of this movie. And that's why, yes, I can't wait for part eight. <laughs> and, and as I mentioned in the beginning, I did take my kids, and I think part of the extra enjoyment of, for me was watching them have a reaction that I have, in all honesty, I have not seen them have this type of reaction to a new release film since I started taking them to the theater to actually watch a movie. It, the 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 reaction and seeing them so into it, and I was into it. I mean, it, it's a shared experience, but I was getting something a little different than them. But in the end, it was like, yeah, I was smiling, and I'm just like, man, I remember that moment of seeing, you know, Empire in the theater and being <laughs> them, and, and seeing them ex do the exact same experience and things I did when I saw Empire, you know. That was just as magical to me because I was like, okay, Abrams, you've hit it. Because they didn't even have that reaction to the prequels, which they've watched, you know, but we watched them at home. But in the theater with all these people, and I've mentioned it before, it's a franchise, one of the few big, huge, epic pop culture franchises that spans generations. This is one of the only movies you'll see, the big movies like this, where you won't see just teeny boppers. You won't just see this specific demographic. You look at that audience of the sold-out crowd, you've got every age represented in a 
uh, in the Force Awakens audience. And that, to me, is what makes this movie stand out for me, and that's why I enjoy it. And I hope you've enjoyed this very long conversation and in-depth discussion about The Force Awakens. We'll wrap things up here really quick where everybody gets to pimp some of their stuff. Uh, I hope you got some knowledge out of this and had some fun. And uh, Derek, why don't you go ahead, where can people find you and your uh, epic uh, podcast of uh, Star Wars? Um you can find my show at astroradioz.com. It's called Astro Radio Z, as as we discussed earlier. It's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher, it's on Spreaker. Anywhere where you can find podcasts, you can find Astro Radio Z. Unlike Mark's podcast, my podcast mostly centers on cult, horror, and exploitation uh, cinema. We decided to diverge a little bit and talk about Star Wars this last week. So um, it's not always like that, folks. So don't you'll go in and uh, we talk about a lot of sleazy movies. So <laughs> if you're not into that kind of thing, pass it on by. But otherwise, I also uh, kind of make films here and there. So if you want to see our new our new movie Hole in the Wall, which is a, a Wisconsin horror film collective anthology, um, you can go to rabbitchildfilms.storemb.com. You can buy a, a DVD there, or we're on Amazon uh, Prime. Or not actually Prime. We're on Amazon On Demand. You can rent it there and also on Vimeo. Otherwise, there's other films that have been a part of Swamphead, Screaming in High Heels. Um, check them out. Google. And uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Mark. You bet. Glad you could make it, Derek. Cole, go ahead, sir. Pimp your stuff. I am a filmmaker. New movie coming out. The last great horror movie. Uh, look for it this spring. You can find me on Facebook at Shadows and Lovers Productions or on Horror Roar if you want to check out some bizarre fan art I, I do when I, I can't edit anymore and I'm driving myself insane. Or, uh, as always, if you're not a complete psychopath and if you are, I'll sniff you out right away. Just friend me on Facebook because all I do is uh, talk about movies. It's my life. Awesome. And, Paul, go ahead. Uh, you can find me on WordPress, Twitter, and Facebook at Forsaken Film Reviews. Awesome. And Scotty D, go. Uh, you can catch me at Moviocrity.com. Uh, updates are forthcoming, I promise. Just have, but, you know, if you, if, if you don't see new material, catch up on the old stuff. Why not? Also, you can watch see my uh, web series, Moviocrity, which is about, you know, getting over the uh, sameness of a lot of Hollywood and, and celebrating exploitation films. That web series, the best place to check all the episodes out is at vimeo.com slash channels slash moviocrity, M-O-V-I-O-C-R-I-T-Y. I just published a brand new episode for the Christmas holiday on the 1989 a straight to video film elves. So I mean there's new stuff coming out. Yeah, there's so there's new stuff coming out there. Uh so catch, check those out. Fantastic. And you can find out links to all these people as well as my stuff on specialmarkproductions.com where you can find all the latest uh spoiler room, all of the episodes there, either the audio version or the Google Hangout versions. Uh, you can find my final cut reviews there as well as some other things that I do. Also, now with my Final Cut, I've partnered with a website called nerdslant.com. It's a brand new site that's just up and coming, and they're allowing me to post some
some stuff there, so you can find stuff there, including new episodes of my Star Wars-themed vlog, Lonely Trooper. It's a series uh, that I've fired back up again, cranked out a couple more episodes the last two weeks. Uh, you can find them there on Nerd Slant or on my channel, specialmarkproductions.com or on uh, the YouTubes at Special Mark Productions. Find us on Twitter at Spoiler Room, PDCS. That's Spoiler Room Podcast. It's PDCS. You can Twitter us there or Twitter me at MovieManiac3D. The Spoiler Room thanks you for listening to this podcast from a galaxy far, far away. And as always in the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, though we definitely spoil the films. 